0: Welcome back to the
1: podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle of all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. It's uh, Genesis 1:26 and 27. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. That's Acts 17, 26-28. through 28. And with that, I welcome you to another installment of the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I'm Ryan Aris, and it's my privilege again to be joined this week by Joe Boot. And if uh, if the verses uh, that I read there weren't enough of a giveaway, today we're going to be talking about uh, Christianity and racism. Uh, we're going to be dealing with this uh, ongoing series of Ezra Answers Back, where we deal with big things in the news. And we're gonna be, again, looking at the, uh, the situation a little bit that's, uh, that's happening, continuing to unfold in the Middle East, and the, uh, the knock-on effects, the b- reverberations that that's having uh, around the world, the response that, uh, that is manifesting itself uh, in the West. And, and think about that, try to think about that in the light of, uh, of God's Word. So that's where we're going. Before we dive in, just a, a quick reminder that you have a week or perhaps less to get your tickets for the Mission of God UK. That'll be happening Saturday, November 4th. Uh, Joe Boot is going to be there along with uh, Ezra Institute fellow Graham Leach as well as Aaron Edwards, uh, who you'll remember from the podcast some uh, some weeks back, and uh, also Andrea Williams, our uh, our friend, uh, director at uh, Christian Concern in the UK. That's happening November 4th in Daventry, and we'll post a link for you to get tickets. You can uh, visit our website and find the link there as well, ezrainstitute.com. Don't forget, in December, we also have two... Uh, Mission of God Canada conference is coming up as well. December 2nd in Windsor, Ontario. December 9th out in Calgary, Alberta. I say out because I'm here in Ontario, but it's in Calgary, Alberta. Um, those are, we're going to have the same uh, same themes on uh, redeeming sexuality, uh, dealing with a, a biblical response and lens for uh, understanding and thinking about uh many aspects of sexuality and uh, identifying and uh, focusing on the, the trans uh, movement and ideology in particular. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, these are important and relevant issues that are that are con- confronting us, uh, whether we like them or not. So we're going to try to give you uh, the best equipping that, uh, that we can to, uh, to think biblically through these issues. And again, Ezrainstitute.com. tickets are available now you can uh, you can sign up and register. We'll look forward to seeing you there. And with that, Joe it's uh, it's good to see you again.
0: Good to be seen Ryan. It's been uh, uh, a busy couple of weeks and I think uh, with um, ministry in Germany and so on and so uh, we've had a couple of guests I think but um, we're back. we're back in the saddle.
1: Yeah, I had a it's just an excellent conversation last week with John Cooper from uh, from Skillet. Yes, and he's got his new book coming out soon. But uh, that was uh, that was great. Encourage everyone to uh, to listen to that. Also, really good to uh, to get back to our uh, our regular format here with you. So, like I mentioned uh, today, we're talking about uh, racism and Christianity, and probably going to deal specifically with uh anti-semitism and Joe this was uh part of this conversation was prompted by the uh, as I mentioned the unfolding situation uh, with Israel in the Middle East uh, part of it was also prompted by uh, an upcoming uh, chapter that you've got in a book uh, on Christianity versus racism so we had uh, we had been thinking about this and uh, and writing about this uh, already and uh, this uh, there's there's no no shortage of uh, of real world opportunities to you know practice out the theory see how well it conforms to reality um but uh, how how does uh, I guess let's let's just start with that um what uh, what does christianity and the bible have to say about uh, about racism. We'll start to start real broad, and we can go in from there.
0: Well, specifically from the point of view of Scripture and the Christian faith, you've read the, those two passages, one from Genesis, one from Acts 17, so Genesis 1 and, and Acts 17, which I think both tell us the most important thing the Bible has to say about the concept of race as we know it today and that is that it is actually not part of the biblical lexicon uh that the bible does talk about peoples it talks about tribes and nations but it doesn't talk about races um as though there is a um uh a, a poly multiple idea of origin uh to 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 race to to the human uh Species, as it were, if to put it in a more scientific term. We're taught in mm-hmm. scripture of the unity of the human race in Adam. And uh, the Apostle Paul reiterates this when he's actually speaking to the uh, Stoic and Epicurean philosophers in Athens, who did actually, by the way, have a, a sort of proto evolutionary view of uh, the, the humanity. Whether they had a um, uh, a sort of, I I don't think we can say they had a Darwinian view, of course, Um, that was many, many uh, centuries later, but they had an an evolutionary idea of life. Um, And so that would have made room for the idea that um, naturally, uh, there uh, there was a hierarchy within nature, basically. I mean, that was essentially the Greek idea, a chain of being. And they would have read the idea of hierarchy onto different um, uh, nations and people groups. Uh, In fact, um, Aristotle argued that uh, some peoples are slaves by nature. So Paul introduces the idea of, of one blood, God has made all peoples of the earth. And it's God's sovereignty, it's God's providence that appoints their times, their boundaries, their habitation. Uh, so there we, we do have a clear indication that the nations and their boundaries are uh, intended by God and established by God in his providence, and that ultimately the rising and falling of nations and peoples and even civilizations, in some cases the disappearance of civilizations like the disappearance of the Hittites, um, mm-hmm. uh, is under the purview, the sovereign hand of God, and that no nation... And no, culture has an absolute right to continuance, um, but is subject to God's law and God's sovereignty. We saw that with the kinetic peoples, of course, in the history of Israel, when the Canaanites are driven out of the land. So the Bible doesn't think in terms of multiple origins for human beings, uh, some higher, some lower, some closer to ape-like ancestors. Uh, It doesn't think in terms of superiority or inferiority based on biological markers or um, uh, what we might call natural um, uh, ethnic markers, Uh, but it thinks of humanity in terms of one blood, in terms of one human family. That human family, of course, is very extended now. And like most people within their families, um, family groups are spread out uh, uh you know maybe most of them are living in canada or america or the united kingdom depending where you're listening from that you can say most of your extended family is there but you're not very rarely now do we find that all these extended families are living in one town or village or even city and in fact most families now have family members living in uh oftentimes different countries um certainly different states and provinces and, and areas, even countries even in the United Kingdom, which is made up of England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, or Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. So um, just as we think about the extended family, if you extend that out in biblical history, begins with Adam uh, and Eve, of course, and there is a a there is a, what we can call a genetic bottleneck at the flood when because of God's judgment on... The human family, because of sin and wickedness and evil, uh the human population is reduced to Noah and his sons and their wives, so eight people if memory serves, and uh, emerging from the ark uh, after the great flood and uh, the re-establishment of Noah in a certain sense as a as a second Adam uh, as he comes out into a cleansed earth in one sense and is recommissioned in terms of the mandate to spread out, to rule, subdue, and so on. Um, we, we see that genetic bottleneck there. So we're all descendants of Noah and uh, his children. And then at the Tower of Babel, this would be the other critically important incident in um, Genesis chapter 11. So you've got the Table of Nations in mm. Genesis 10 and the Tower of Babel incident where the human population, the human family has refused fundamentally on religious grounds actually to obey god's command to spread out and fill the earth and multiply uh, instead they have endeavored to move forward with a religious project with a tower into the heavens that had a almost certainly astrological sense of the worship of spiritual um, beings of principalities and powers linked uh, to the stars uh, that's another discussion, perhaps for another time. And the whole idea of the zodiac and all of that, and the, and the ancient origins mm-hmm. of, of messages in the stars and in the heavens, and so on. But there was an idolatrous worship there, um, a building of a civilization that was overtly in defiance of God, overtly in defiance of true worship of the living God. Uh, it was built by uh, Nimrod, um, and uh, we see actually some of the early, the early great civilizations that this this, um, ancient heroic figure of Nimrod was involved with. And from there, God confuses the languages of the human family. So instead of speaking one language, they begin to speak multiple languages, can't understand one another, and they spread out in various language groups. And the rest is history, as we say, and that was in the the providence uh, and the sovereignty of God. So the biblical view, the Christian view, Ryan, as you've pointed out, If we just begin with the fundamentals, is that race as such, in its modern connotations, this idea um, that there are um, different biologically human races that populate the earth, um, this is not part of the biblical understanding of humanity. Interestingly enough, Ryan, it's no longer part of the modern scientific understanding of humanity either, at least from the biological standpoint. It was steadily debunked during the middle and the late 20th century. We know that essentially 99.9% plus of human beings, we all share the same genetic makeup. And it's a very, very tiny, from a genetic standpoint, tiny aspects of our DNA that account for what we call uh, racial differences um, which backs up the biblical account it simply supports the human account that we're all of one blood we can trace our origins to an original couple and that uh the the uh, the unity of the human race in adam and ultimately of course in christ the creator um uh the last adam the unity of the human race in adam is vital for our understanding of the gospel its applicability to all people, because remember, it's only offered to those who are in Adam. Um, if you're not of Adam's race, his helpless race, uh, as the hymn writer puts it, then you've got no opportunity to no salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the universality of the gospel of Christ, the last Adam, is predicated on the universality of the human family, the unity of the human family, I should say, in Adam. So that would be the, the Christian perspective on the idea of race, that, it's, that's, that, that, that the very discussion gets off on inadequate and false presuppositions if we allow uh, a, an essentially modern, uh, late modern concept of race, which we can perhaps talk about in a moment in a bit more detail, uh, come into the picture. The Christian perspective is the unity of the human family uh, and nonetheless, God's purpose in establishing the nations with a missiological purpose, actually, in Acts 17, that they would reach out for him and find him. Um, so just as Israel, in terms of the the, the calling of in Abraham, was a missiolog- missiological calling uh, in terms of the gospel, the seed of Abraham, which is Christ to bless the nations of the earth. Um, there is a missiological calling it for all the nations in God's purpose that they might reach out for Him and find Him, and uh, I think that's where we have to begin any discussion of um, the concept of Christianity versus racism.
1: Mm-hmm. I uh, I really like uh, that point. Uh, there are a few things that uh, that I wanted to uh, to pick up on in in what you just said, but uh, while that uh, while that last line is is fresh and hot it's uh, it's interesting you mentioned babel and it's uh, i was just thinking that ba- babel uh was really a a divine uh act of segregation uh and it was uh, it was done well be- because the the people were unified uh for a wicked purpose it was it was done for a righteous purpose they were unified in disobedience uh which uh, first it suggests that not, not all unity is godly. Unity for the sake of unity is not uh, is not virtuous in and of itself. Uh, but to the the further point is that uh, because of uh, because of Pentecost uh, and uh, because of Christ's reconciling work, uh, that uh, that Babel state that uh, that segregated state is no longer normative. It was never. It was never. Uh, Intended uh, to be the permanent situation, but it's it's no longer the normative. We live in the era of Christ, who is reconciling all things uh, in and to Himself.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Of course, the the Paul is very clear in Ephesians 2 that the most fundamental distinction or separation that was again necessary for that missiological purpose, as you say, God had a righteous purpose in spreading out the peoples, separating the peoples. Um, and certainly one of those reasons was that he was going to call out a people uh, specifically with a covenantal purpose in order to bless those mm-hmm. nations. Uh, that was all part of that. Uh, Pentecost, as you point So, sorry, Paul in Ephesians 2, uh, talks about the breaking down of the wall of hostility and the removal of the dividing wall of partition between Jew and Gentile being unified now in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that um, is vital. And, um, of course, we see that begin to be played out then. uh, It's manifest in Acts 2 when people from all over the known world at that time, uh, God-fearers from around the known world, had come up to Jerusalem for the feast, for the festival. Uh, uh, Pentecost was the time at which the Jews traditionally celebrated the giving of the law, interestingly enough. Um, and, of course, we know that the newer covenant is that the the law will be written on our hearts. That's the teaching of Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews chapter 8, is that the new covenant is that uh, we shall all shall know the Lord from the least to the greatest. And that law, rather than being on tablets of stone in the Ark of the Covenant behind a curtain, is now written on the heart by the Holy Spirit. And so we've got in Acts 2, people from all over the known world, different ethnicities, different people groups, different tribes who've come up for the feast. They don't yet know Christ. They don't yet know the gospel, but they, they fear the God of Israel. And uh, Peter preaches to them the gospel and the miracle of, of tongues in which all of those people gathered, heard the gospel in their own language. And that is hugely significant in relationship to Babel because uh, it doesn't say that um, suddenly all of those people spoke the same language. It says that they all heard the gospel in their own language. So this was now right. unity mm-hmm. in the midst of diversity. Uh, it wasn't that the gospel was destroying people groups. Um, it was that it was bringing them together. Uh, it was relativizing uh, people groups in terms of the broader unity of the kingdom of God and the uh, the wonder of um, the, that the, the unity that is now found in Christ that was a unity in the midst of diversity. And of course, if you fast forward into the book of Revelation, we see that culminating in the new creation, in the fullness of the new creation, uh, where every tribe, tongue, people and nation have been made a kingdom of priests unto God, and they shall reign on the earth. And so, uh, you know, the coming together of the, the, the human family that had been divided uh, through apostasy and disobedience is now reunited in Christ as a kingly priesthood. In a certain sense, we go from the beginning in Genesis uh, of that original unity into um. an an apostasy and uh, a a judgment of Babel, uh, but within the providence of God for a good purpose. And then the gathering together of the nations again in the gospel in Christ and the breaking down of the walls of hostility, but that nonetheless not negating God's purpose in establishing nations and peoples and boundaries so that they will reach out for him and, and find him. So uh, you, that's a that's a really critical point as we look at the sort of biblical understanding of people groups, uh, um, uh, ethnicities, ethno, um, and the idea of nations.
1: Right. <clears throat> so, and Joe, anytime, uh, anytime you have people groups, nations, uh, people living in close proximity and working and interacting with each other. Uh, you have, you have shared beliefs and commitments, and you pretty soon have a culture. And uh, we're we're here. Uh, we we host the podcast for Cultural Reformation, and the the assumption implicit uh, in that name and in much of what we do is that culture, and specifically Western culture, that we come from and where we find ourselves, uh, is uh, in many ways not as it should be. That's uh, that's why it's in need of reform. So you've uh, you've made the the point. And scripture has made the point that you've explained that we don't we don't see the concept of race uh, in scripture. That's not uh, that's not a real category. Uh, but it's uh, it's undeniable that people who who stay close together form cultures, and those uh, those cultures uh, can be ranked. Can be uh, held up to a standard of the of the word of God, and we can say that this this culture is better, is more advanced, is more free and more liberal than this other culture. Uh, now, the uh, the question of ethnicity is uh, is correlative, not causational. For that, we don't want to uh, we don't want to fall into an elemental fallacy there, but. Uh, Maybe just just comment on comment on the phenomenon of culture more broadly and how we uh, what what role that plays in you know, considering people uh, where they're from, what they believe, how we respond to them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a critical point. That um, I mean, the word culture, of course, if you look it up in a, an older dictionary. Um, one of the definitions will be a type of civilization. So mm-hmm. um, with the spreading out of the peoples and the various forms of religious worship of, of peoples, because as we often express on our program, culture is the, the, it's religion externalized. It's the public manifestation of the faith of a people. You know, if you go to right. Saudi Arabia or Indonesia or Pakistan, you're going to experience Islamic culture. Um, if you go to um, much of India today, you will experience Hindu culture. If you go to North Korea, you're going to experience Marxist culture, and so on. So, the 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 word culture, cultus, it has a Latin origin, colere. Um, The word cult ties us back into that idea of religion. So, um, cultures, uh, peoples, um, and cultures develop around shared commitments, um, shared ideas of meaning, shared ideas of purpose. Um, In a certain sense, we could say that cultures are eschatological, they have a particular view of uh, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Um, they are hmm. they are teleological <laughs> in that sense, and that's what um, unifies a people and creates what we can call a type of civilization. And I think part of the point you're driving out there is that it would be a mistake to think that what um, defines a culture is this sort of biological um, uh, or you know natural law of kinship notion of race uh that's right that somehow you know what a culture is is blood um because whilst it's certainly true that people in given regions of the world are going to share um a certain genetic deck uh that there'll be certain um genetic similarities because of the the, the geographical distribution um what unifies uh, people is certainly not the genetic deck i mean you only have to 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 think about the the the, the Congo not just the Congo even Europe um the former yugoslavia um, mm-hmm. the the uh, uh modern russia today the the russian federation um uh, and even the conflicts we've got going on in europe right now with ukraine and russia and so on but the the these the genetic decks are <laughs> are very very similar the the issue the, the issues there of conflict and um strife and struggle um, are fundamentally religious. They're worldview based. They're to do with the cultural, and social history rooted in fundamental philosophical and worldview commitment. Um, uh, I think even about my own um, nation of, of Great Britain, uh, you would have to go back to the to the tenth century to to find uh, the very idea first of all of of England um, the. The, the, the very idea of of an England um, of, of, a, of an Anglo uh, people um, which of course finds its origin really with Alfred the Great, you have to go to the tenth century mm-hmm. before you see those kingdoms of uh, uh, within what we call England today united as a united England because you still had Dane law in certain parts of 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 the north of what we t- today recognize as England. Dane law was a different religion it was a different law order um and so then you would have to fast forward to the beginning of the 18th century before you can speak of a british nationality uh really? where the, the 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 kingdoms of england and wales are united with scotland and then of course a century later before you can add ireland into that so um and all of those regions, by the way, this is often confusing for people in America, but you know, Wales and um, uh, Ireland and England and Scotland, um, their own have very uh, distinct um, cultural flavors historically, um, uh, different Celtic languages as well, um, that have in some cases been preserved. So, um, The the idea of 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 nationhood of a civilization, as you've pointed out, of of what we can then call a culture, as as one expression of the meaning of culture as a type of civilization, um, even with something as apparently simple as Great Britain, is not fundamentally ethnic, biological, um, but religious, because you've got the original Britons, you've got the Celts, Romans, so Italians. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Normans, uh, the Nordics with the Vikings, uh, that whole melting pot is what uh, would have made up this sort of um, the breadth of, of ethnic diversity that was found in um, uh, Britain in its early uh, becoming a nation. And of course, now modern Britain because of the Commonwealth, uh, other peoples from the Commonwealth who've come to live in Britain. So, what makes the nation is obviously cannot be reduced to some kind of biological or racial marker. There, I mean, there are two fundamental ideas of race within secular thought. One is um, the primordial view of race. Uh, that's the sort of blood and soil idea of 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 race. That what really defines you, what defines a people, um, is uh, kinship, blood. Uh, it is, uh, it's the soil, maybe there's a s- sort of symbiotic relationship between people and place. And uh, that is the essence of what makes a people or nation. That's the primordial view. Then you've got the constructivist view of race, which which admits and acknowledges that race as a biological str- construct is wrong. Uh uh, but then, sort of, proceeds to to say that it's a uh, but 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 race is real as a cultural construct, and so sneaks racism in by the back door, um, and 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 sort of says, you know, we we have to uh, recognize uh, race um, specifically in terms of color. Ironically, even though there's a constructivist mm-hmm. idea of what of what race actually is. And and of course, neither view really provides a basis for unity in the midst of diversity, and both really make um, uh, what we can call, let's let's say, race relations or ethnic relations, um, a sort of permanent problem um, uh, that can never really be overcome because unity is never is can be provided by neither of those views. There's no ultimate unity and diversity in either of those views. And for those right. joining us by um and- by video here, I apologize for the halo appearing on my sweater oh. from the sun <laughs> shining through the window. Um I, I was gonna say it's the Shekinah glory, but that wouldn't be right. Um I, mm. I forgot to pull the blind down, so <laughs> if you're being soon. dazzled, I apologize.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's uh... Oh, <laughs> I was going to say something, but we'll. Leave I blame it. the tech people. <laughs> yeah, we all blame them. <laughs> we'll get somebody to fix that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so one of the uh, again again one of the uh, one of the reasons, like we mentioned earlier, that uh, that we're here having this conversation today uh, is the uh, the ongoing. Uh, conflict in Israel and Gaza that, uh, that happened early, earlier this month. Uh, we've, uh, we've talked uh, and written something on that. There's no shortage of things to say, but uh, one of the things that, uh, that you were saying earlier, Joe, uh, and this might have been before we recorded, is that uh, there, are, there are still, uh, because of these faulty assumptions and uh, approaches to the subject of race and ethnicity, there are, I guess, permitted and culturally acceptable, politically correct—if I even want to say it like that—acceptable uh, forms of racism, uh, racism mm-hmm. against white people, uh, for example, and uh, and you know, are that, is that uh, Caucasian? Is that Teutonic, Scandinavian? Which kind of white people? Uh, but uh, the the other uh, the other. Sort of form that uh, that seems to be it doesn't doesn't have the same level of censure is uh, is anti-Semitism, and there is there has been uh, a uh, a surge of uh, of anti-Semitic activity in the West. Uh, we've we've all seen footage of demonstrations at uh, at college campuses or at uh, state capitals. Uh, it's it's also showing up in. Uh, you're seeing people who are saying, you know, out of, uh, out of support and solidarity for the people of Palestine, I'm not going to paint houses for Jewish people anymore. Uh, and that's, uh, you're seeing, that's not just isolated incidents. Uh, so I guess uh, we, we, we've acknowledged, you've identified that there's a, there are either a constructivist or a, a primordial uh, attitude towards race. That that still permits uh, and accounts for and uh, fosters racism, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess uh, may- maybe comment uh, in the one place on why is why why is it culturally okay uh, to have uh, anti-Semitic demonstrations? Why are, why is that uh, why is that still? Uh, Permissible or tolerated in in the court of public opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, there are interestingly enough. I was listening actually to uh, something that the um, uh, the head of the UN uh, said uh, today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday that um, was astonishing, really, in terms of its 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 bias against uh, Israel um essentially mm-hmm. argued that you know the Palestinians have been under you know Israeli oppression for 56 years these Hamas attacks didn't come out of nowhere. I mean effectively the 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 president of the UN offered a an implicit justification for the terror attacks on Jews in Israel on the basis of highly controversial squabbles and arguments about um, uh, Palestine um and let it be you know remembered that the palestinian people actually elected hamas i think it was in 2007 and since 1937 right. the palestinians have been offered a two state solution no less than five times each time it's been turned down so there's a kind of bizarre irrationality that's associated with a lot, a lot of this i think fundamentally there are there are um sort of three uh views emerging at the moment with regard to you know the hu- this question of unity and diversity amongst the human family on the one hand you've got the marxian globalism view uh and um that has really been picked up you you, you alluded to it just a moment ago that that's really being driven today uh by uh critical race theory and uh it, it's um it's On the one hand, it's utopian um, because it's Marxian and is is about the destruction of all um, distinctions, ostensibly. It it absolutizes the idea of unity um, at the expense of all diversity. Um, And yet, um, it retains this remarkable place for hostility to Western culture, to to what they call white culture, and to the Jews, um, this anti-Semitism. On the other hand, you've got uh, ethnocentric or primordial nationalisms that are uh, emerging again or rearing their head in reaction to this sort of Marxian globalism um, that uh, are, you know, of course, have an opportunity to make hay uh, when these sorts of circumstances uh, uh, arise um, and uh, to foment then, uh, you know, divisions, and to say, well, the answer is, you know, uh, the only answer to all of this is, you know, forms of segregation and separation and, uh, uh, you know, uh, an acknowledgement that uh, that uh, these um, biological natural distinctions need to be recognized socio-politically. And that also, ironically, Ryan, has a strong anti-Semitic element, uh, both the um, Marxian globalism and the primordial nationalists. Um, have a have a strong element of anti semitism um, in them. Now, firstly, picking up on your the 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 first point you made about uh, the sort of acceptable forms of of racism within critical race theory, the basic idea is that um, the sociological ideas of white guilt, white privilege, uh, white oppression are developed. Uh, and these are then deemed to be uh, uh, the endemic within what we would call white culture in all the institutions and aspects of so-called white civilization, by which they mean Western civilization, by which is actually meant Christian civilization. We'll get there in just a moment. Um, uh, because obviously, it's absurd to talk about a white mentality, or white culture, um, or even African culture, or an Asiatic soul, or whatever you want to call it, because there's such great diversity in all of those um, uh, designations. And um, that would have to apply to pre-Christian white culture, wouldn't it? Um, if, there is a, if there is a white mentality, or white guilt, or white privilege, then you would have to say that this applied um, in pre-Christian Europe. And uh, the Scandinavians, as well as the ancient Britons and others, were uh, drinking the blood of the dead, practicing human sacrifice and cannibalism. So um, there is nothing in a white mentality that um, uh, uh, distinguishes um, positively or negatively a so-called white culture. The superiority of Western culture, and I don't hesitate to say that um, in the last 400 years, as you pointed out, Ryan, we don't draw... Cultural equivalency by simply recognizing there's no such thing as race. That doesn't mean that all cultural practices and all cultural ideas are equal. Um, right. The uh, the evidence superiority of Western culture the past 400 years has been to do with its religious commitment, not to do with whiteness, um, which again is uh, relative and 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 doesn't doesn't can't possibly apply universally anyway. Um, so the 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 goal of critical race theory i mean whiteness is merely the the, the useful um marker uh to identify yeah. people um the 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 goal of the criticism is christian civilization um and uh and white guilt uh, or colonial guilt and these other ass things are are actually targeted at christian culture that is the the target of the criticism, that's the target of the attack. It has a religious root. Um, So only uh, Western civilization can be identified as guilty. That is, you know, so-called white civilization. Uh, It it alone can be criticized um, and it alone can be held accountable for the ills. And at the same time, that means that it's only Western culture or Christian culture that cannot be praised. Um, that cannot be um, uh, lauded in any in any way, um, and mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. means that um, only um, non whites um, uh, can be the victims of racism. It is impossible in in terms of critical race theory for uh, the white person, uh, the Caucasian, as you say, and all the subdivisions to be to be guilty of um, to be victims of racism. And of course, that includes interestingly enough, Jewish people, um, that somehow they can't be victims of racism. They, they are colonial oppressors, as they've been called repeatedly at these demonstrations. Um, that's how they're tagged. Isn't that interesting that you mm. see uh, that, that Western civilization, Christian culture, and Israel, or the Jews, are tagged with the same label, that they are colonial oppressors. And uh, they're not included in BIPOC, uh, the black indigenous people of color. Um, those those people alone can be victims of racism. Those people at the same time cannot be racist. So when you see mm-hmm. uh, Arabs and um, people from North Africa and so on, especially uh Chanting at these rallies and um, and and uh, with anti-Semitic chants and and also often anti-Western chants has been burnings of the Union Jack here recently, um, and anti-Semitic um, slogans being used and of course the flag of Israel, the flag of America, is burned in the streets in the Arab world. That's not mm-hmm. racism, um, because they can't be racist on 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 this theory of critical race theory because they are the oppressed and. Yeah. Western civilization is the oppressor. Um, much more could be said about critical race theory, and this, this um, particular podcast isn't about CRT in particular. We probably should do another one specifically on that um, in this Ezra Answers Back series. We can talk about it in more detail. But that's the essence of it. Um, racism is structural. Uh, it is, and, and it is also permanent because whiteness is permanent, right? So it's a perpetual revolutionary struggle against uh, Western culture. And of course, Islam has jumped very much on that bandwagon, even though the origins of critical race theory um, are not Islamic, um, they're actually white and European uh, emerging from Germany, Italy, and Hungary. It's the Frankfurt School, really. Um that mm-hmm. um uh, that began to develop deploy these critical theories and critical race theory being one of them, other cultures have jumped on the bandwagon in their desire to tear down in Marxian terms because uh, its root is in Marxist thought and by the way, Karl Marx lived most of uh, having been um chased out of uh, Europe for sedition. Is given refuge in 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 England and access to the British Library, where he spends the rest of his life trying to tear down the very culture and nation that gave him um, uh, asylum and safety. Interestingly that's enough, that's right. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, that is the um, that's the Marxian um, perspective, and um, the, the and the nationalistic perspective, also the ethno primordial nationalistic perspective, as we saw, you know, with. Uh, whether you look at um Nazi Germany um or whether you look at uh, um versions of it in North America even um with um groups like planned parenthood which regarded Italians and blacks and jews as um basically poisonous to american culture and american blood uh and targeted for their abortuaries, Uh, Planned Parenthood targeted those communities. And and you see that nationalistic uh, view that is actually the product of romanticism. And I know that you know that period um, very well. Um, But romanticism basically emphasized not unity like the Marxian idea, the Marxist idea, the globalist idea, but emphasized individual particularity and then national particularity, blood and soil, the, the, the folklore of uh, the nations. And so emerging from romanticism, um, you get this uh, primordial nationalism. Both are t- both have a strong tendency to anti-Semitism. Um, and uh, the, uh, the, the Islamic um, root of anti-Semitism as well, can't be simply accounted for uh, ethnically. Um, uh, it can only be accounted for philosophically, worldviewishly—that is, religiously. And um, mm. and uh, mm. so, what we're seeing now around the world, whether it's the UN um, or the uh, the uh, some of the Arab nations, or in these demonstrations amongst um, Islamists and, and and Muslims, and of course their Marxist friends. So again, you see the unity there. So there's a coalition of Islam and Marxism in the hostility to Jews. Uh, and that is um, that's spreading. Now, some will say, well, no, that's not hostility to Jews. It's only the Zionist project. Um, but that in itself um, is a is a misnomer. Um, there have been Jews in the Levant for 5,700 years. Uh, and so the notion that they are colonizers there is absurd. And when you hear chants mm-hmm. like, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, that concerns the eradication of the state of Israel. And so whether the Jew yes. is is in diaspora and without a nation, he's hated. If he's in a nation and has a boundary, albeit a small one, about the size of Wales, he's hated. Hmm. Um, whether he's rich or poor, uh, he's criticized and despised. Whether he's a socialist or a capitalist, he's despised. Now, you you can't account for that uh, except religiously and biblically. And um, Islam, Mm. of course, uh, and I think we touched on this in one of our previous uh, segments recently in our discussion of Islam, uh, the Islamic material, about 60% of it, deals with the kafir, the the unbeliever, um, which is the people of the book, the Jew and the Christian. Uh, and so the core texts of Islam are anti-Semitic. So the notion that this is just a that the the, the 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 situation that's being that's going on in Israel right now, I mean all you have to do is read the Charter of Hamas from nineteen eighty-eight and you see that immediately this is not about territory. If if right. if the state of Israel disappeared tomorrow, hostility to the Jews would not disappear. It's as so simple yes. as that. Yeah. Um so we're dealing with a religious issue, which is in itself um, ironic, um, but of course, ultimately, in my view, demonic, because the people of Israel biblically were not fundamentally an ethnic people. The, the people of Israel were a covenant people, Uh, they were drawn together through relationship to God, not through ethnicity. Abraham had eight sons, only one um, uh, became uh, Israel uh, through Jacob, so Isaac and Jacob, who was renamed Israel. Joseph in Egypt uh, marries an Egyptian, Asenath. Um, And uh, if I've rehearsed this before, forgive me. Um, And so two of the tribes of Israel were half Egyptian, many Egyptians, Egyptians Mm -hmm. left, uh, uh, left Egypt with the Hebrews, they left a mixed multitude. And then of course, we have Gentiles like Rahab and others um, being added, even into the line of Christ. And you could convert and become part of the people of God. So the the people of Israel themselves were a covenant people, and and it's my view that the anti-Semitism, the Jewish people of Jewish heritage, and of course they with the diaspora they intermarried with the peoples of Europe, and again, so even talking about pure Jewish blood is a nonsense today, uh, because right. they were dispersed and they they married um, uh, intermarried, they lived and and frequently intermarried. With the peoples of Europe and beyond, actually, even there are even Black Jews today um, who who claim a partial um, uh, heritage to um, a Jewish ethnicity. So mm-hmm. the the uh, ethnic um, the idea of a of a of a, a specifically ethnic Jewishness um, is only is only partial. Um, and the, the 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 redrawing of the boundaries within Palestine, as you know, uh, happened after World War II, and it was actually signed off by it was the UN was involved. It wasn't just Britain and America. The UN was involved in the establishment of of those boundaries. Um, but the the hostility, the ongoing hostility to to people of Jewish heritage, must therefore be rooted religiously. Um, in the the fact that uh, the presence of uh, an ethnic people of is uh, 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 who are jews um and the and of course now today the presence of a small state of israel is a perpetual reminder of the story of the bible it's a perpetual hmm. reminder mm-hmm. of god's promises to abraham and ultimately therefore points to the lord jesus christ now that's irrespective of whether ethnic jews have recognized fully the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul in Romans 11 looks forward to a time when the turning of the Gentiles to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, um, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, both the promise and the judgment, remember? Uh, You know, a a nation that was broken off to make room. Um, Paul looks forward to a time when they're grafted back into the tree, which is Christ and there's an ingathering of people of a Jewish ethnic heritage, and that they would be provoked to jealousy by the Gentiles coming to the Messiah. Now, you know, the the Puritans looked forward to that. I mean, uh, men like uh, Oliver Cromwell and many of the Puritans in their post-millennial conviction looked forward to a time. I mean, it was was Cromwell who readmitted the Jews to Britain, partly because of this post-millennial hope. And so, This expectation that we would see an ingathering of people of Jewish heritage is part of the Christian conviction um, that they will be gathered in again to the tree, which is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, himself. So the ongoing hostility within Marxism, again, ironic there because um, Marx himself was a Jew who hated his heritage Mm -hmm. and was the the oxymoron of an anti-Semitic Jew uh yeah islam um is has in its core convictions religiously um is anti-semitic and this is because ultimately um th- whether you're a pagan primordial nationalist or a marxist or an islamist the the uh the jew and of course the uh having Jews gathered in one place in a small state is a perpetual reminder. Of the word of God, the truth of the Bible, the covenants of God, and the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know, hopefully, we haven't got too far off topic there. But the point there is that you cannot account for this racist um, attitude towards the the, the Jews. Um, and how uh, uh, without this religious component, because of what we've just said about intermarriage and um, the, the fact that they weren't even distinguished as an ethnic people, but as a covenant people. So you can only account for it ultimately religiously the hostility to the God of scripture, to Yahweh, the triune God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's Christians then and Western civilization that gets caught up in that same hostility the hostility of Marxism um, towards. Christ uh, and towards Western culture uh, has and towards whiteness uh, is the same is rooted in the same basic idea, um, and so as people come to Christ from all over the nations, th- and I say the reason that the the, the Europeans or whiteness has been targeted with that Ryan is because they're Christian, they've been historically Christian. You, you can't apply that to, to, to pre-Christian pagans in Europe or in Britain. You just can't. Um, so it's the it ultimately isn't about skin color. It ultimately, the issues we're seeing today, whether it's the critical race theory or whether it's Islamic anti-Semitism or Marxist anti-Semitism, has its root in religion. This is a worldview issue. That's mm-hmm. where it is fundamentally rooted. And uh, that is the ultimately the origin and the problem of racism today. Christians should never be caught up in these sorts of racist attitudes precisely for the reasons that we've talked about, that Christ brings us all together, black, white, uh, any other shade in between, um, African, yeah. Asian, North American, European, South American, um pacific islands australian whatever it is wherever we are north american indian in the lord jesus christ we are made one and each of us in those all of us as christians in those communities should be working toward the unity of god's kingdom people within his church and unity in diversity amongst the nations subject to the lordship of christ
1: right and that's uh, it's uh, it's putting uh, putting me in mind or bringing to mind that uh, that really great expression that uh, that we use from time to time uh, from Evan Runner that life is religion and uh, the the way that we the way that we approach our you know in uh, in a, in one very literal uh, descent from Adam sense our brothers and sisters uh, we uh, we it is it's a religious response and i think that's uh, such an important point that uh, that you've uh, drawn out at length there joe i'm going to uh, i'm going to leave that point uh, lingering as the uh, the keynote of uh, of this conversation and uh, i'll uh, i'll close it down there as you said we we might have uh, have f- future occasions to talk talk more on this subject i uh, i don't imagine it's going to be going away anytime soon but uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there it's been great to, uh, to have you for all of you listening and watching thanks for tuning in this has been the podcast for cultural reformation and I remind you as always that from him and through him and to him are all things may God be glorified now and forever we'll see you next week